Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It's exciting to be with you here today. For those of you that are joining us from home, welcome here. We're excited to have you joining us. It's a good day today. God is good. He is good. For those who may be wondering, uh, with the new Alberta restrictions uh, just announced last week, we have been asked uh, to have everybody mask up. Anyone who's in the building needs to be masked up, and, and so thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. See lots of wonderful masks out there. I've asked my wife to get me a a fun mask for Christmas, so we'll see what she comes up with. Uh, Maybe I'll wear that in January. It might be quite exciting. Uh, There's a little caveat for the speaker that um, the speaker, once they get up to the the podium, they're allowed to take their mask off so they can speak. So I'm going to be doing that, but everyone else uh, in the room, if you're not here with us, everyone else in the room has got these beautiful masks on, so it's fantastic. Well, today is the first Sunday of the Advent season. Advent means arrival, and so this season uh, focuses on us preparing ourselves for the arrival of Jesus Christ. We've lit the first candle uh, that focuses on the idea of love, which is what we're talking about today. But over the whole season of Advent, we are focusing on simply Jesus, simply Jesus. With all the normal hustle and bustle of Christmas, we sometimes miss the simplicity of what this season is all about. Simply put, this season that we're entering into is all about Jesus and his arrival on earth. So many in the world know about Santa Claus and mistletoe and figgy pudding, but so many in the world still miss Jesus. And this year, with the new restrictions we have, with perhaps a resurgence of fear and anxiety and maybe even a resurgence of anger, many of us risk missing Jesus. Turn to the person next to you just for a moment and just say to them, don't miss Jesus. So how are you doing this season? As we enter into Advent, does it feel like Christmas yet? Does it feel like this opportunity to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ? I mean, I I get that we're also feeling the weight of the world. Uh, There's so many things happening, not just COVID happening, but around the world, there's so much going on. 2020 seems to have been one thing after another. And so many things are screaming for our attention, trying to get us to look over here, look over here, and stay unfocused. With our burdens heavy and our vision foggy and our pace a little bit wearying, we could miss Jesus. And it wouldn't be the first time that Jesus was missed. When Jesus came on the scene 2,000 years ago, his appearance was not meant to be a surprise. His coming had been prophesied over and over again since the beginning of creation. 
Anyone who had studied the Holy Scriptures would know that the Messiah was coming. Out of the 39 books that we have in our Old Testament, every single one of them gives a a hint of some kind of the coming Messiah, many giving much more than a hint. Certainly the religious elite who studied the Scriptures diligently would know that the Messiah was about to come into the world. Certainly they would have a clue that he was about to come. But as we know, Jesus was born not with a, a throng of worshipers anticipating his arrival, not with nursemaids and butlers and attendants, not with kings and queens and dignitaries kneeling at his mother's bedside, not with fanfare, fireworks, or feasts, no, nothing like that. Mostly, Jesus was born into a world that was completely unaware of his arrival. Yeah, there were shepherds, and there were angels, and there was this brilliant star that was out there shining, but, but in the end, for the most part, everyone, the entire world, missed Jesus. In fact, 30 years later, when Jesus was actively going about, going here and there, healing the sick, freeing the captives, releasing the prisoners, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God— Uh, He fulfilled many prophecies that should have let the religious elite at at the very least know that he was the one to come, but even so, people missed Jesus. Why do you think it is that people missed Jesus? There's probably lots of good answers. I think one of the main answers to why people missed Jesus is because Jesus was, was almost completely different than what the people thought he was going to be. He was quite unexpected. Back then, people were looking for a conquering hero, someone to come and rescue the Israelites from the Roman scourge, someone who could kick butt and take names, someone like Samson, strong and mightier, someone like Gideon, who would go out and battle the people and and kill all the enemy. Or maybe a king like David who would sit on a throne and rule and reign, or at the very least, a prophet like Elijah who would come and perform amazing feats and and draw the attention of everyone. Certainly not a helpless baby in a manger. Not the one that had a sketchy background of who his father actually was. Not the one who grew up in a blue-collar household. I mean, even today, we're looking for a Jesus who knocks over the tables in the temple courts every day. He would likely come in here, we think, and just knock everything over all the time. He'd tear his mask off and shout and scream. Of course he would. We're looking for a militant Jesus or maybe a Republican Jesus, one that would fit really well the Republican values, or maybe a Democratic Jesus, one who would fit the Democratic Party really well. Maybe a Jesus who would knock out a Nazi or a Jesus who would run for prime minister. Maybe even a snuggly Jesus who rides on a skateboard and drinks lattes and never says a crossword to anyone. See, we imagine Jesus would probably root for our favorite hockey team. Of course he would. He would care about the things that I care about. Or at the very least, he would act exactly like I would act. That's the kind of Jesus that I like to make in my own image. But Jesus often shows up in Scripture and does some of the strangest things and goes against what we think Jesus should do. 
I mean, in, in the time that Jesus was there, look at what he did. He touched lepers. He loved tax collectors. He, he ate at the table of Pharisees while he allowed a prostitute to wash his feet, and he forgave her and spoke to her like she was a real person. He, he of course, also called out the Pharisees, and he knocked over some tables in the temple. But then he invited the rich to follow him, and he also hung out an awful lot with the poor. Jesus shows up in some of the most unexpected ways and does some of the most surprising things. And in this Advent season, what we're trying to do is just strip away what we think Jesus should or shouldn't be and simply look at Jesus. Simply Jesus. Jesus came onto the scene 2,000 years ago in an act that revealed to the world the heart of the Father. He talks about this in the Gospel of John. John records a conversation that Jesus had with the, with the Pharisee Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of night, and he talked to Jesus about who God is and the kingdom of God. After a brief conversation about being born again, Jesus describes the reason that he was sent into the world. Listen to what Jesus says about himself. Jesus says this in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Just think about the beginning of that verse one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Now, you think that people miss Jesus nowadays, and I think that too, but for all of our existence, people have missed God. They've missed God. You may have heard people say things like, oh, God is always angry. God seems like a, like a, a child having a temp temper tantrum. Or God hates me, or God just doesn't care if there even is a God. God probably doesn't even exist. But Jesus, speaking about his heavenly Father, says, For God so loved the world. Jesus came into the world because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. This was his purpose. In fact, if we want to understand the character of God, you just have to just look anywhere in Scripture. Look at Psalm chapter 86. This is the character of God. Psalm 86, 15. You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Psalm 136, 
is this beautiful psalm that goes back and forth. This, there's a call out, and then the people respond, and the response is his love endures forever. His love endures forever. 26 times in this one psalm, the people call out, his love endures forever. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 says that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. 1 John 3 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In Romans chapter 8, there is this fantastic passage. I, you probably are familiar with it. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally, just to kind of put an exclamation point on all of this, John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 that God is love. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So here Jesus shows up with this amazing legacy of love. His advent, his arrival, was driven by this amazing act of love that revealed to the world the heart of the Father. Oh, our Heavenly Father loves us so much, so much. And if, the, if, the, if our Heavenly Father loves us so much, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Are we to expect this same kind of love coming out of Jesus that we have coming out of the Father? Well, there's this moment where Jesus shows up and he's working on the Sabbath, which if you think about this was a terrible, terrible thing to do. Of course it was. It's a shocking thing. No good Jewish person, especially a rabbi, would ever work on the Sabbath. I mean, goodness gracious, many of us here in the room would not work on the Sabbath, right? We set Sunday aside and we don't work on the Sabbath, but Jesus did it. And the Pharisees catch Jesus working and they begin to lay into him. They give him a hard time. And here's what Jesus says. In John chapter 5, he says, My father is always at work to this very day. And I, too, am working. So then, this is what Scripture says is beautiful. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. (laughs) You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath, so we're going to kill you. Mm. It It just boggles the mind, doesn't it? I mean, there seems to be a commandment somewhere about not murdering. But anyhow, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. 
So when Jesus shows up, are we to expect from Jesus the same stuff as we expect from our Heavenly Father? Well, let's keep on looking. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And then later on in John chapter 14, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And even the author of Hebrews gets into this, saying in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus and the Father are one. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. So if the Father loves us so much, if he has lavished his love on us that we've become his children, if he has shown his love to the world by giving his one and only Son, then Jesus must love us too. Jesus must be all about love because Jesus looks an awful lot like his Father. And God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So if God is love, then Jesus also is love. Jesus shows up revealing to the world the same love the Father has, only this time with skin on. And look at what Jesus did. He loved everybody. He loved everybody. Regardless of how they received him, regardless of how they treated him, he loved the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the, the zealots, the prostitutes, the murderers. He loved the demon-possessed and the Gentiles. He loved the rich and the poor, the wise and the ignorant. Jesus even loved those who nailed him to the cross. He loved the ones who killed him. And today, Jesus loves the maskers and the anti-maskers. Jesus loves people of every sexual persuasion. Jesus loves the fornicators and the drunks and the druggies. Jesus loves the business people and the soccer moms and the soccer dads. Jesus loves the Democrats and he loves the Republicans. He loves the NDP, the Green Party, the Liberals. And yes, it may be hard to believe, but Jesus even loves the UCP. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus loves them. And Jesus even loves the people that you and I have a particularly difficult time with. Think of the person that you would have the hardest time having in your home. Jesus loves them. And here's maybe the biggest kicker. Jesus even loves you. Jesus even loves you. Hmm. Does anybody think that's amazing? Does anybody think that's amazing? It's like he just can't help himself because he's love. He's love with skin on. Jesus is just like his father, full of love. So I've got four kids whom I adore. I absolutely adore. And wouldn't you know it, sometimes they look an awful lot like me. Now, I know that's not the greatest compliment, especially for my three daughters, but I don't mean that they look physically like me. I mean that they look like me in their character. My son Gavin has a passion for justice. Oh, I love it because my heart boils for justice. My daughter Abby has a compassionate heart. Oh, I, I, if you know me, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Rachel has my goofy sense of humor, and only some of you will ever see the full goofiness of my sense of humor, but oh, Rachel reflects it so well. My daughter Katrina has my strong-willed nature. My wife will tell you sometimes she looks at me and she looks at my daughter Katrina and she just shakes her head. 
I adore my children, and I am so excited that they look like me sometimes. I'm so excited that I'm passing on, hopefully, a lot of good stuff. Sometimes some bad stuff, but hopefully a lot of good stuff. But one of my greatest prayers for my children is that they would love. Is that they would love. Because my Heavenly Father loves. And I want to look like my Heavenly Father. And I want my children to look like my Heavenly Father too. When we look at Jesus, I want to look like Jesus. And Jesus looks an awful lot like his Father. And that's what we're supposed to look like too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we read this. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 1 John chapter 3 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Romans chapter 8 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Not Jesus conforming to our image, but us conforming to his image, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now we get to the crux of it in 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. We are meant to look more and more like Jesus, who looks like our Heavenly Father, and we are meant to love because he loved us first. Then there's this moment in Matthew chapter 22 where a a man comes to speak to Jesus, and he asks Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment is love God. That's a no-brainer, right? That would make all kinds of sense. But the second one, the second one that's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment is like the first commandment. Why is it like the first commandment? Well, John tells us in 1 John chapter 4. He says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. If you claim to love God then God's love has got to be in you. And if God's love is in you, then you must love others. That's why the second commandment is like the first commandment. Because if we love God and we're being filled by his love, then we love others because that's what Jesus would do. It's a powerful and maybe a little alarming statement. I don't know about you, but there's lots of people that I don't like a whole lot. Maybe not lots, maybe just a couple. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus wants. Friends, we are called to love like Jesus. And I got to tell you, this is not the season to miss loving like Jesus. It's not the season to miss this. It is a season to grab a hold of this. We must not miss Jesus this season, especially this season. As we look out into the world and we see all the anger and the hatred and the anxiety and the fear, 
We must love like Jesus. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But if we miss Jesus and we miss his love, then what do we have to offer to the world? If we are just going to have anger and hatred and fear and anxiety just like everybody else, what good is the church today? What good is it if we just look like everybody else? And it's not something that you're able to do on yourself, okay? So don't hear me saying just pull up your bootstraps and let's get going and force yourself to love people. This ability to love only comes because God loves us first, because we've received his love, because we've received his love. We must not miss Jesus and his love this season or we will have nothing to offer the world. You may have heard this story before. Uh, in 1914, which was over 100 years ago, if you remember what was happening at that time, it was World War I. And fierce battles raged across the Western Front. But on Christmas Day, there was a ceasefire. It was the strangest of, of things. From both of the front lines of soldiers, there were, there were German, British, and French soldiers there, and they were all in their, huddled up in their holes on the front line. And they began to hear from both sides Christmas carols being sung. Can you imagine? On the battlefield, with men holding rifles, cold and shivering in their holes, began to sing Christmas carols. And the tunes to them were familiar, so there were Russians singing Christmas carols in Russian. No, not Russian. Russians weren't there. Germans. Ah. That's the second war. The Germans were singing Christmas carols in German. The British were singing Christmas carols in English, and the French were singing Christmas carols in French. And as they were singing these carols, they joined together in this great choir. I'm sure none of them were masked, but there they were singing in their holes. Then they came out of their holes onto the battlefield without weapons. They met in the middle of no man's land, and they exchanged gifts with one another. They played games with each other, and they even gathered the dead and buried them together. Can you imagine that? The, the British troops were burying British soldiers who had been shot by the Germans, and the Germans were standing with them, burying them. This love thing that came out on Christmas there in 1914, they call it the Christmas Truce of 1914, is an amazing example of love, of love overcoming the fiercest odds. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How difficult do you think it is? I mean, we have trouble sometimes loving our neighbors who've done nothing to us except maybe they built their fence a little too tall or whatever they did. Can you imagine getting out of your foxhole and going to the enemy and singing Christmas carols with them? Love overcomes. In our time of anger and hatred and anxiety and fear, we must not miss Jesus and his love. The love of Jesus is needed all the more today. So what are you doing to love like Jesus?
As we close off our service, I wonder if you would stand with me. Even if you're at home, up off your couch, stand up with me for a second. Maybe you've never experienced the love of Jesus before. Maybe this whole Jesus thing is brand new to you. It's his love that draws us. And so if you've never experienced Jesus before, if you're just new to this, if you've been watching these messages for a little while or you've been coming to church for a little while, but you've never experienced Jesus, you've never asked him to come into your life and live with you, just turn to Jesus now. Jesus, come. Jesus, come into my life. Show me your love. Show me your goodness. Show me your kindness. Invite Jesus into your life and allow him to reveal the love of the Father to you. You are so loved. You're so loved. And if you do know Jesus, but maybe there's a little bit of a in your heart and you're not feeling his love today, just receive Jesus. Receive more of his love into your life. Jesus, come. I'm not, I'm not feeling the love today. And it may be that you don't get the feeling, but you know it. You know it in your knower, but you might not feel it in your feeler. But know that you are loved. And so just take a stance of receiving whatever that looks like for you, whether you put your hands out or whether you just sit with your eye or stand with your eyes closed or whatever it is, just a position of receiving. And I bless you in Jesus Christ's name to receive the love of the Father today. I bless you to know that you are loved. I bless you to receive the presence of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to your people. Reveal to them the love of the Father. You are loved. You might have to convince yourself of it. You might have to tell yourself, I'm loved. I'm loved. I know I'm loved because my heavenly Father loves me. You might have to battle for this. Receive the love of your heavenly Father now. Receive it. Let it flow up in you and overflow through you so that as you go from here, you can love others with his love. Stir it up, Lord. Stir it up in your people, whether they're in this building or in their homes or wherever they are today. Stir up your love now for them and fill them afresh with your amazing love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We receive your love. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.